Hello team and welcome to episode 356 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Josh Whalen. Josh is the founder and CEO of Blokes and co-founder of Joy Wellness, who are revolutionizing the way we look at male and female health. Have you recently found yourself not quite feeling like yourself? Perhaps your mood isn't that great, you're not sleeping as well as you used to, and it's all of a sudden much harder to stay in shape compared to what it used to be. You go to your doctor and maybe you have your blood test done, but everything is supposedly normal and in range. So you put this down to aging or life changes and just accept the way the things are going. But what if it didn't have to be this way? What if the way you feel, look and perform could be 10 times or more better than your current feeling with some tweaks to your lifestyle and a treatment plan that isn't via the roots of a traditional healthcare system? Wouldn't that be incredible? And that's exactly what Josh and I speak about today. In this episode, you can expect to learn how Josh turned his life around when his wife told him she would be leaving him if things didn't change, what TRT and peptide therapy can do for men and women who aren't feeling the way that they used to, along with what other steps we can take to start feeling our best again. So without further ado, Josh Whalen. Josh Whalen, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Elliot. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm really good. Looking forward to our conversation today. Looking forward to diving deep on the things that you've got going on and getting to know you better. So for those who may have not come across yourself before or heard much about you, who is Josh Whalen and what is it that you do? Uh, Josh Whalen, dad of two little rugrats, five-year-old girl, two-year-old boy, been married for seven years, been an entrepreneur in healthcare for the last 10, 11 years. And um, I, I got my start in, in healthcare even well before that with a company called Striker. So I live and breathe and eat and sleep my family, uh, my health, uh, and, and, uh, what we do as a business here at Blokes. Incredible. And you mentioned that your healthcare journey started early. What led you down that route? Was it something you always wanted to explore or did you explore other different things when you were younger and you landed here or what was the plan? No, I, I mean, honestly, money. I, I mean, I, I, I had a bunch of friends that were working in med device sales and uh they were crushing it they were driving the nice cars and um i was in sales but just not doing well from a financial standpoint as a as a kid in my you know mid to late 20s uh and i knew i needed to elevate myself and and start selling with the big boys and um and that's how i got started with the one of the biggest med device companies in the world called striker how was your experience with striker what did you learn from them and what have you taken on from today a lot it was good it was it was a really great experience it was really a crash course in terms of getting into what i would consider one of the higher levels of, of of business to business sales and I dealt with really unique call points, neurosurgeons, orthopedic spine surgeons, interventional radiologists, pain management physicians, i.e. anesthesiologists. So when, when you're dealing with those type of individuals who are, you know, top 1% from a, a mental perspective and top 1% from a financial perspective, you're dealing with a, a very, very select audience that, that understands things well. Uh, you have to be able to articulate things extremely well. You have to be extremely honest and authentic. And, you know, so for me, it, it was, it was a crash course into just like a, a high level of, of sales. And the other piece is it was super competitive and, you know, it was really a fun environment to see, 
you know, how I could push myself mentally and physically from just a business standpoint. And, uh, it was really uh, the launch pad for, for me to run my own business per se. And what led you to taking that step to run your own business? When did you know that you took a nap away from the previous company and you were ready to take that step? It's an enormous step. Yeah, it was a big one. I mean, I, I remember sitting down with my, my mom and dad at one point, um, you know, I'm a, I was a grown man, so it was more just bouncing ideas off. Uh, but it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do this on my own. I'm going to, I'm going to see if the grass is, you know, proverbially greener. Uh, and I left a job where I was making close to $350,000 a year. And a lot of people were like, Whoa, what, what the hell are you doing, dude? What are you, you, you're leaving a very good job with a promising career track. Uh, you could retire, you know, in your early fifties. And for me, it was just, it was kind of something that was just time. And, and, and I think there's a lot of things that certain people are, are very comfortable with. I wasn't comfortable being in that, that position. I wanted to keep going and I wanted to just see if, if I could achieve things that were, I mean, for lack of words, beyond my wildest imagination. And, you know, for me, I was very fortunate and, and, and the grass was greener. And I surpassed so many of my financial goals and I surpassed so much of what I thought I could do. Yeah, it's an incredible story. And, you know, it's amazing to hear the success stories, but it's almost easy to forget that that's not everyone's trajectory. You know, I think that, you know, more businesses fail than they do succeed. So it's incredible when you recognize that. I think people sometimes take that for granted. You know, it's easy to think, ah, you know, you've got a bit of experience, you start a business and you know you're going to break even in the first year and then it's going to be profitable but that's not the reality for most so to build a thriving business is quite something and like you said the grass has been greener as well and what does your day-to-day -day look like at the moment what does the purpose look like for you what do you get up in the morning and feel excited to do it's a good question my day is crazy as shit it's it's never it's it's very similar day to day but it's always just crazy and chaotic and I don't even know what my life would look like if it was anything differently right now. You know, we're in the midst of two startups, a year and a half into the bloke's journey, which is our men's online company. And then our women's is joy, uh, which launched about six months later. Um, that along with being a, a, a very active and full-time dad and husband is busy and it's no day, no two days are the same, but there's a lot of structure. You know, I, every day I have to get up and, Honestly, hug my kids, hug my wife, be happy, focus on the positive because life is too hard and too short to not. And there's always obstacles and things that want to derail you from, from staying positive. And, um, you know, I, I try to, I try to be positive. I work out at least daily. I get some type of movement in daily, even if it's me throwing on my go rock and going walking. Um, I'll do that just to get some fresh air and just get some movement. But, uh, a couple of things I just can't, you know, family and, and, and work are very important and, and some type of fitness and movement. Yeah. It's an incredible combination. And I think you've got that perspective where you're also able to see the bigger picture and not just get lost in the day to day when it could be very easy to do so. And first thing I want to talk to you about today is your journey behind blokes. What led you to creating the company that you have today and then obviously expanding into the woman's life. But let's focus on the male aspect first, if you don't mind starting there. Yeah, no, it's, it was a, it was a interesting journey. My, my wife was going to divorce me about oh, wow. 
two and a half, three years ago. And it was because I had, I had changed mentally and physically as a man. I, I, my body had changed. I gained a bunch of weight. My, my mindset had changed. My sex drive was, was virtually a lack of it. And my wife sat down with me and said, Hey, I'm going to divorce you if the shit doesn't change. So for me, I, I went and saw two different primary care doctors that told me I was on the low side of a range. Turns out that range that they told me about was a bogus one. And I was well beyond a low side. I was very, very low. And that's what was contributing to so many different symptoms and, and my lack of sex drive, my body composition that, um, you know, looking back, it was, it was some of the worst guidance I've ever received as a patient. Long story short, I found somebody that specialized in, in what I needed services for. And that single encounter changed my life physically, uh, saved my marriage. And the entrepreneur in me found what I thought was some opportunity. And it was really that. It was, it was me fixing myself, knowing how many people are neglected through the same system that I went through and just talking to friends and family, asking them about their journey and their experience and what's going on in their life. And it, it really inspired me to, to create this and, and not lose any of the clinical efficacy behind it. Like, you know, we, we want to be a fun brand. We want to be accessible, but then not lose anything that you would value as, as a patient from a clinician. So that was the, I guess, the cusp of us starting it. And, you know, for, for the men, we've been at it for, you know, close to two years, a year and a half. And it's, it's been life changing. It's been great because I'm a patient and, and I'm a founder and I'm a CEO and I live, breathe, eat this stuff every day. Yeah. I always say the best people to work with you on the specific issues that you know, their company abides to or helps with other people who have gone through it themselves, right? It's like, you don't want to be speaking to someone about fat loss if they've been in shape their entire life and they were born genetically with abs, right? Like you want to talk to someone who's had some troubles, you know, who's gone through it all. And I think those are the best people because they're looking for the real solution. They're not just looking, of course, you want to make a profitable company, but you also want a product that works, right? So that's, enormous and it's great that you went down that route so what did your recovery journey look like as a patient as well as obviously a ceo and a founder man you, you know my my journey with health really i've been an athlete for many years and i i, I always worked out i always understood my body um you know i played rugby at a high level so i took took bumps and bruises and you know, in my thirties, I lost it. I, I, I got so serious about being so career driven and I started drinking a lot more. I was doing drugs that I, I typically didn't do. Um, you know, late night dinners and, and stuff that I was entertaining clients and I really lost my way from a physical standpoint. And then my wife and I, we had these, these miscarriages where my body just fluctuated every time we had a miscarriage. We had four miscarriages in four years. Oh, wow. Um, you, you know, so, so for me, I feel like I'm really just been getting back in the zone when I almost started this company. And, you know, it's been a journey. It's been hard. It's been, 
you know, I, I felt good through this process, but I would say even la the last six to nine months is when I really started to hone in on, on performance and, and feeling my best. I turn 41 tomorrow. Hey, actually. happy birthday. Um, thank you. And it's, it's so important for me to, to look and feel my best and, and perform my best for myself primarily, but then so that I can be a good caretaker, I can be a good father, I can be a good husband, I can be a good brother, a son, you know, all those things are so important to me. So for me, my, my, my health journey and, and, and getting back to this is, is ongoing. It never, it will never be perfect. Uh, but you know, even a guy who, who works in this industry and, and loves what we do, it took, it took a lot of, uh, self-reflection to say it was time to change. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's a big journey. The one when you start to heal and you start to look inwards and you start to face all of these things that you've been neglecting for so long. And that's one of the big questions I have for you today. How do we get to a place where we don't have to reach rock bottom in order to change things, right? I mean, that wake up call was probably your wife saying, you need to turn this around or I'm out of the door. So how do we get to a place where we don't have to be taken to that stage of life in order to actually take our health and our lives and in that sense because if we don't have our health we really don't have anything how do we get to a place where we can take that seriously before life throws it straight in our face yeah i i don't know if i have an answer to that i i i will tell you it's rock bottom for a reason um i can tell you more more recently that i never want to be there again and i think I think there's a, there's an art and a science to celebrating little wins from time to time and being patient through, through your health, because I can just look back at my individual experience over the last year or two years. If I wasn't patient and if I wasn't dedicated to the process, I would never have changed. I would never be where I'm at from a health perspective today. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But the only way that I was able to do that was celebrating the small moments, celebrating the small wins and letting those accumulate over time to be something bigger because it's easy to get sidetracked. And, and then before you know it, six months turns into a year, a year turns into five years and shit, your, your, your health is gone by. I mean, it's, it's gone. So, um, you know, I, I, I hit rock bottom on multiple occasions you know, marriage, my father passing, having my brother-in-law have a heart attack in the same year, my stepfather getting diagnosed with stage four cancer. I hate to say it, but sometimes you got to get punched in the face uh, to make some serious change, but also know that it's not that far away. And these little wins accumulate and, and, and they become bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and if you can just be patient trust the process, believe in yourself, those wins will become real. I think there's some truth to that, unfortunately. You know, you do have to face these hard knocks in life to actually wake up and make a change because of, I don't know what it was like for you. Maybe the miscarriages were a sign, but do you feel like life was knocking on the door before it did end up hitting you straight in the face? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I, think, I think it's really hard to perceive the things that are happening around you. Mm. And... I was fortunate enough that, that I had a wife that was noticing these changes. For sure. And I think men, men are even worse, especially from an individual standpoint that they don't take care of themselves or they don't notice things around them as much. Um, yeah, I, I mean, 
there was there was a lot of signs and a lot of things that that were probably pointing right at me that I just overlooked. I you know I I drank that night. I had some wine, whiskey, whatever, um, to just kind of mask the I, I, maybe the underlying symptom or effect. So yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot there. Yeah, I completely agree. And not only is it good that you had a wife who noticed, you had a wife who cared enough to tell you as well. You know, there's a big, big part of it is like many people see, you know, the changes in either side of the relationship and they'll just be like, well, not my problem. You know, it's like, I've got my own things to be looking after and they end up just focusing on themselves. So I think it's amazing that she had the courage and the bravery to say it as well. You know, it would have been easy for her to just walk out the door or just completely neglect it. So I think that that's an amazing sign. And you mentioned like us men, especially we don't have too much of that awareness at times and there are going to be, and I speak to many of my clients on a day-to-day basis, you know, their mood wasn't what it was in the past. They're finding it harder to keep in shape in the same way that they used to. How can we get men to understand the importance of this, you know, in terms of like, what are the actual ways in which we can see benefits? Because it's easy to see it when we hit rock bottom, but if a man is functioning, they're like, I can go to work, I can handle the kids. I'm not super over the yeah. moon happy, but I've got a decent life. I've, you know, I've got a roof of my head. How can we get them to see more of the benefits of like living a full life compared to just kind of living this mediocrity that they don't even realize is mediocrity? It's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have the, the perfect answer for it, but I, I will tell you, you, you know, I think, I think men have to start thinking outside of themselves. You know, there's a lot of things that you can draw perspective to and, and, and hopefully it's not always just a rock bottom event. But, you know, for me, I, I will tell you my, my health journey and my real drive to become better has been about the lifespan and health span and longevity of me being here on this earth. I think you have to, to, to take a look outside of you and say, what are you doing? Like, I mean, there's a lot of people just getting by, but, but there's not a lot of fun in that. And, you know, are you being the best person for your, your spouse? Are you being the best person for your kids? Because before you know it, those moments, those, those opportunities are going to be gone. And, you know, my, my dad passed away recently and he passed away at 61 and I'm 41 tomorrow. And I can tell you, I have a five and I have a two year old. So I don't look at longevity in terms of like the scientific way or, or health span in terms of maybe the clinical way. I look at it in perspective. Like when I, when I'm 61, I, I don't want to be, you know, thinking about death. I want to be vibrant and I want to be full of vitality and I want to be able to hang with my kids who are going to be 20 years old at that time. So I think maybe if it's not just something that, you know, you're going through your day to day, just maybe start thinking about others that are around you. Uh, to perform even better. Yeah, I love that. And I think that sometimes we can't find the motivation to do it for ourselves, or maybe we don't see the importance. But yeah, once we start to look outside, especially for those who have kids, I think there's a new purpose that starts to arrive and it's easier to see the way forward and also to make those steps, even when they seem difficult, because you might not do it for yourself. But yeah. you know, from the perspective of you have your dad passing at 61, you want to see your kids in their 20s. You want like 20 is young, you know, you want to see your kids get yeah. married. You want to have, you want to be a granddad and all that type of stuff. So I think it's a really healthy perspective for people to have if they're in the position that you were in some years ago, looking at their kids who are, you know, under the age of 10 and thinking, where do I want to be in 20 years? And 
how do I want to be with them? You know, it's insane to think that, yeah, when they reach their 20s, you would be thinking about death. Yeah, dude, it's, I, I, I mean, it, it's weird. I, I, I didn't think like this in my 20s. I didn't think like this in, even in my early 30s. And I, I don't feel like I'm getting older. I feel, I feel mentally, I still feel good. You know, I'm getting more gray hairs. And, but when I, when I put those things into perspective, it, it makes me want to achieve more things live a better and healthier life, be more content while also being full of intention and, you know, just being present and grateful for so many different things. And if, if, if I, if I didn't think that way, then I would be very selfish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke a little bit about those kind of living a life of mediocrity. Why is it important for high performers and entrepreneurs and those people in the top 1% of what they do to be optimizing their health as well as those who are just kind of taking the route of mediocrity? Well, think about it this way. First of all, it's extremely hard to perform if you're not living a healthy life. If you are consistently getting shitty sleep, if you're consistently having high stress levels that you're not managing. I, I don't think any entrepreneur, anybody who's a high performing, high achieving individual, you're going to have stress. That's not what I'm saying you have to be able to manage it. And I will tell you this from, from a high performing standpoint, if, if it, if it makes any bit more sense, like just know your competitors are doing this and know that they are trying to get an edge and an advantage, no matter what you're doing. So if anything, you ha you have to just keep up. And so um, for, for me, like I, I know that in order for me to perform my best on a day-to-day -day basis, I have to take care of myself. I have to prioritize my health. I have to prioritize, you know, my sleep and my recovery and my stress levels in order for myself to perform better for my company and my, my team and my wife. Um, so it, to me, it's paramount. And Warren Buffett is not the catalyst of, of, of running companies being, you know, a genius when it comes to health. And there's only a handful of people that can do it. But I think you're also seeing a really big emergence of like CEOs and founders and entrepreneurs understanding like alcohol is not productive. Drug use is not productive. Working out and health and wellness and meditating, cold plunging, you know, hot and cold therapy, all those things are so important to just help you perform better mentally, physically, and as an entrepreneur, as a business person. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's many people either there in a position where they're like, yeah, I don't feel the same as I used to. I am experiencing like lower mood. I haven't got the energy. And like I said, sex drive is on the floor, all of these type of things. And then there's others who maybe just heard what you said and like, yeah, I want to have that edge. Where does blokes come into this? I think we are the, the, uh, the, the doorway or the pathway for that. You know, we treat a wide range of patients, you know, aging from 25 to 65. And we treat a lot of patients who are symptomatic and, and really need us to step in and, and improve their life. And then we treat a lot of high performing individuals who maybe have plateaued or maybe trying to take their health and wellness and, and career to another level. The reality is we try to make you the best version of yourself. And, and if that's, you know, in the bedroom, if that's in the gym, if that's in the boardroom, that's what we're here to do. And, you know, we think that lab diagn diagnostic blood labs are a great catalyst to own your journey in health, whether you choose to go forward with therapies or not, is completely up to you and where you're at. 
But I personally think people should be getting baseline labs in their early 20s and just knowing how they age as they age. Yeah, absolutely. And what key markers are you looking at when you're looking at that blood work? There's simple markers like complete blood count and, and complete metabolic panels, which are going to measure the health and well-being of a panel, your, your liver and organ function. Um, you know, obviously for, for men, testosterone is a very big catalyst in terms of performance. And it's actually just as equally as much a, a catalyst for women. Women have been neglected when it comes to testosterone, um, for years and, and, and they have more, more testosterone than they do estrogen. Uh, so we're looking at those type of sexual hormones, um, you know, your free testosterone. We also like to look a little bit deeper and we like to look at, uh, inflammation markers like C-reactive protein. We're looking at heart health. We're, we're looking at stress, your cortisol markers. So, you know, we can, depending on one's budget and depending on how deep they want to go, we, we've designed a, a few different panels that are, you know, range from $99 up to, you know, 499 bucks. But we're going from, you know, call it 40 markers, biomarkers that we're looking at in the entry up to, you know, 70 plus. And, all of our consults come with, uh, or all of our labs come with, you know, an hour consult with a really good functional health report. Yeah, it's incredible. And I'm imagining what you were saying for many of the men. I'm actually curious to ask the question about the woman in just a moment, but I'm sure you're seeing test and free test kind of on the floor. You're always seeing cortisol spikes high in the evening and low in the morning, which is not what we want to see. And Probably, yeah, some not so positive results on the C-reactive protein markers as well. If you were to see something like that, which I expect to be a lot of people, you know, those people who are not taking too much care of their health, who are living stressful lifestyles as well, like what does the treatment plan look like for someone like that as well? And what results could they expect to see? Yeah, I, everybody is everybody's different. You know, everybody's biomarkers is their own biomarkers. And, and, and oftentimes we say that, you know, that lab is a snapshot in time. So... You may test maybe off, uh, but you may feel great. And, and a lot of times we're going off the symptomology, not just the biomarkers. Point, yeah. So sometimes it, the, the journey is maybe multiple lab tests, but it's also, there's a big art and science to asking the right questions and getting the right feedback. Um, so everybody's journey is slightly different, but you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to, to approach this. You know, if testosterone levels are low, Depending on your age range, there's ways to boost that body's natural production with things like Clomid or Enclomiphene. Um, and then, you know, if you're ready to go in and you're right at that right age and the testosterone levels are, are, are maybe prime for us, then we'll look at testosterone replacement. Um, and that's just taking a bioidentical hormone of testosterone and, and, uh, you know, from an exogenous standpoint and, and giving the patient the option to inject it, cream, trochies. Um, and then there's these really fun things that we deal with called peptides and peptides are short chains of amino acids. The easiest way to think about them is they're the stepping stones for proteins and, and any chain two or more is considered a peptide of amino acids. And they're really, really interesting things that have been around for many years. Insulin is the world's largest, uh, consumed and produced peptide and, uh, you know, we're, I think we're on the cusp of some, a really fun thing in medicine with, with peptide therapy. What type of results can you expect from peptide therapy? Because of the only peptides I've really heard about outside of the work that those like yourself are doing are gym goers who want to get around not 
testing positive when it comes to performance enhancing drugs so like ah i took peptides but it still doesn't count because i'm still natural so that's the main thing i've heard about it so what can we expect from peptides realistically outside of you know just <laughs> the bodybuilder in the gym who's taking it yeah i mean we we don't even look at ourselves as that 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 conduit you know to bodybuilding i mean we obviously we treat people who are very very serious about their health and fitness and um, you know, when I look at bodybuilders, they're likely on something that we we're not even pushing. It's probably something that is, is truly like a banned substance that, that we, from an FDA standpoint and a clinician standpoint, because we have to deal with malpractice that we're not even approaching. True, yeah. So that said, you know, we, we have, you know, prescription peptides. All of our peptides come from compounded pharmacy, U.S. based compounding pharmacies. And there's a whole slew of them. I mean, there's, there's growth hormone peptides. There's anti-aging peptides. There's hair peptides. There's sexual peptides. There's weight loss peptides, which have taken the world by storm with these GLP-1 agonist category. The Ozempics, the Manjaros, the Wagovis of the world, semaglutide or terzepatide. Those, uh, their peptides are, are, are really amazing. And if you're doing it under medical supervision, if you're getting it from the right sources, they can, I, I call these, you know, very low risk, high reward type therapies because you're never really doing any true harm to the body. Typically, you're just telling your body to naturally produce more of those actual mechanisms to produce more peptides. So, um, unlike, you know, other things that we can put in our body. We're never shutting down that natural production and they're naturally occurring. There's over 7,000 peptides that are naturally flowing through our body already. Yeah, that's a really incredible side of things because of most medications, treatments, whatever you want to call them, they usually take the place of what the body should be doing, right? It's like you inject something and then it shuts down your original way of doing it, whether that was functioning well or not before. And then it's all down to it being pharmaceutical um, versus it actually being coming from your body. So that's an amazing thing. And it's something that I think would encourage a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, for example, with taking some form of hormone uh, therapy, it's, would that work the same with testosterone? But testosterone does kind of do that, doesn't it? Where it turns off kind of the natural way of yeah. doing it. So it's, it's more about the peptides than, you know, traditional TRT, for example. Yeah, um, a good, good, good point. And, and, and your audience should know that, that when you take an exogenous form of testosterone, uh, i.e. TRT, uh, bioidentical, it shuts down the body's natural production. Um, there, there are things that you can take, such as Clomid or HCG or Enclomiphene in conjunction with testosterone to, to, to change that, um, or to transition off of that. But, but when you're taking an exogenous form of testosterone, then you're, you're shutting down your body's natural production. The caveat to that, and, and, and a lot of supplement companies or a lot of people try to mass market this is, is does your body, when you get back off, let's say you get on it and then you get off of it, does your body produce it again? And, and, and it's a unanimous yes to, to the extent that um, you'll never produce testosterone again. It's just a complete false, um, misleading headline. Your body will go back to the natural levels that it was producing. The caveat is you will likely never achieve the, the state that you were at when you were on the replacement. So let's just take a guy like me who was in the low 200s. Um, I would have never achieved what I could achieve now 
with the replacement of testosterone. I range somewhere between 800 to 1200 nanograms per deciliter now. When I was, you know, probably lucky to be between 150 and 300 uh, without replacement. What caused that? Was it the lifestyle that you were living or was it some way genetic or? I think, so there's a lot of, I think, causation here. In my situation, I think there's a direct reflection of the the amount of miscarriages we had. Uh, Guys need to be aware that when their spouse or their partner is is going through pregnancy, testosterone levels can drop by 50 to 75%. Estrogen levels can rise. Cortisol, obviously, you're getting stressed about having a kid, uh, can also change. Um, there's even studies that show prolactin changes in men, which is for, for men that, that they, they think that the reason that that's happening is because you're preparing your body to be more alert. So I think that was a big catalyst. I also think it was lifestyle. I was very stressed out for many years, running multiple businesses, um, drinking too much, partying too much, not lifting weights enough, you know, and then, and then there's things around us that I wasn't mindful of what I was putting in and out of my, my, my mouth and plastics. I mean, these are all things that are contributing to what I think is an epidemic of, of lower testosterone levels. Yeah. It's pretty horrendous to see the change in the testosterone levels at the moment. And coming back to that, totally. you mentioned that obviously there was a lot of the kind of clues in the miscarriages as well. So you're saying that once you went on to exogenous testosterone, that was when you were having greater chances of conceiving, which by assuming taking that with HCG or Clomid or something along those lines, right? No, I, so, so I didn't, I didn't consider testosterone until we were done with our fertility okay. uh, journey. Um, what I'm saying is, is I think a, a reaction from that, those miscarriages and constantly ah, okay. going through that process was a massive drop in my, my levels. And, and it's not just me. This is clinically proven that, that that happens in, in, in marriages and partnerships when the wife is conceiving. And I want to transition onto the woman now. I don't want to neglect them too much. I want to give them the credit and uh, time that they deserve as well. Yeah. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense to a man in the sense of, I feel that a lot of men, when they're younger, they know what it feels to have a higher testosterone. They know what it feels like to have that vitality for life, that get up and go. And it's a very clear difference. Whereas I don't see that with women quite as much. You don't see them go through this kind of drive, drive, drive zone to a drop. You know, they kind of have a consistent level of, I would maybe say their drive and their mood and all those different types of things. Maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe I haven't seen it so much firsthand, but that would be my perception from an outsider looking in. So what type of changes can a woman expect to see? And what are you looking at to try and improve within a lady with joy versus what you are looking for for a man with blokes? You know, Outside of erections, you know, with men, it's, it's, it's almost the same underlying symptoms. Sure. It's almost the same goals and, 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 and problem solving that we're doing with women. Women, in my opinion, have been more neglected to men when it comes to optimization and health and wellness. And you have to understand a lot of the conduit for women getting this information is coming from their OBGYN, which is completely the worst person that should be delivering it. One in five OBGYN doctors are actually trained in perimenopause and menopause. So, you know, let alone optimization and performance. So women are, women are dealing with this, 
as much, if not more than men, I think the difference is they're, they're told maybe that this is just part of the aging process or Mm -hmm. I have mom brain or, you know, my kids are wearing me out, you know, so women are suffering from energy levels dropping, you know, fatigue, brain fog is the mom brain piece. And, and, and sex drive is completely tied to women, uh, and, and hormones and, um, you know, men, men lose it just like women. And so for us, it's, it's really, it's kind of the same thing. The messaging may be just different in how we, we, we try to spread the word. So, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense actually. And I was just trying to work out exactly what the difference is. And maybe the fact of the matter is that a woman has to, you know, give birth to the child. She has to be the mom and maybe automatically in some cases, her maternal instincts lead her to obviously needing to look after the baby so she doesn't have that same drive that maybe she had before but she's kind of putting it down to ah the maternal instincts are kicking in i just want to take care of my children now and the career doesn't matter so much and all these other things and yeah i'm not going to get my body back because i had the baby whereas maybe more apparent for men because of we don't go through those changes of course the paternal instinct is going to kick in but is it the same as giving birth to a child? I, I don't think it is. Maybe you can answer that question better than I can, but I don't think it is. And then obviously we go back to work, we continue working. And then there's kind of maybe a easier contrast to see versus the woman who now have the majority of the women out there who have children to look after, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, there's there's no escape of, of just aging. I mean, I don't care if you're a man or a woman and the 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 majority of what we do, they're, they're human hormones. It's not, you know, testosterone is a, is a male hormone. It's a female hormone and estrogen is the same. And, you know, I think, I think as we age, we just have to be cognizant of this, this, these changes that could take place. Sometimes it's over a long period of time. Sometimes it's, you know, an acute event, maybe having a kid, maybe having an injury, maybe having some type of autoimmune issue, um, you know, I, I think one of the single biggest things that's going to be happening in the next three to five years is, is the emergence of the treatment of perimenopause and menopause. And, you know, just like men, you're seeing, you're seeing these categories of, of medicine happening earlier and earlier. And I think it was just neglected for such a long time. And I don't have the answer to why there. Um, maybe it's just the lack of education, the lack of understanding. But you're finally starting to see, you know, women control this journey as much as men have been for many years. Yeah, it's incredible. Would you say the treatment plans kind of look similar or not so much? Do you think with women, is it still based quite a lot around peptide? Is there any testosterone replacement? Do we see that a lot or is it more to do with estrogen, prolactin, all those different types of things? It's very similar, minus the fact that we're dealing probably with a few more hormones going on. Um, you know, women need testosterone just like men and women have more testosterone than they do estrogen. Most people don't know that. And obviously progesterone is very, very important for women. So a lot of the very, we, we are doing exactly the same thing, but which is, you know, men, it's, it's more isolated when it comes to the hormone side with testosterone with women, you have a few more things going on. doesn't mean that it's it's a, it's a harder way to treat. It, it just may take a little bit more understanding of where that, where that woman is from a symptom, symptomatic standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh, I'm kind of perplexed as to why 
treatments like this are only coming to the forefront now and I imagine you feel that there's still a lot of work to do before you take over the world and everything along those lines so why is it that it's taking so long for us to wake up to this and we're still relying on you know pharmaceutical intervention in the sense of traditional medicine we're still going to see our physician and you know getting rated on like you said the lower side of the scale but saying that we're still within range so we're healthy why is it taking us so long to wake up to this it's something that I can't work out i can't either i i can i can speculate i i can speculate that there is a lot more money involved in sick care than there is healthy aging populations and yeah i think that's the answer realistically i i mean that listen i i i hope that the one thing that we can do even if we are doing a, a very small portion of it or making a dent is educate people to own their own health journey and disrupt sick care just by owning that and i think we we live in a rigged system where even doctors will admit this that that they they they're not practicing the way they went to school or the way they intended to go to school and so much of that is dictated by insurance and insurance is a massive massive player in this you, you it's become a volume game not a quality game you know massive pharmaceutical lobbying massive pharmaceutical pushes um masking of symptoms you know there's a lot of lot of reasons i i, I think i think we're slowly waking up and understanding that the system is maybe not set up for us to win and you know consumers or patients in our in our scenario have to really take the bull by the horns and own that yeah i think you put it very very well in the sense that there's a lot more money to make off the sick than there is the healthy and it's pretty twisted in that sense but i guess it does make sense as well and in terms of the mission that you're on and the company that you have are you planning to branch out internationally as well because of i'm from the uk and it's really not accessible in terms of i mean trt is maybe accessible but it's not easy let alone peptides you really don't hear much about that at all so what's your plan on a global level first i gotta conquer this this micro level of, of what we're doing um, we're going to be very, very laser focused on raising money to spread the word, uh, quicker and, and ride the momentum that we built. I, I will tell you if I had a nickel for how many times I'm getting, you know, messages personally and then messages through our blokes channel from Australia, you know, England, France, Spain. I mean, it's, it's on another level of, of, you know, proportion where, where men and women aren't getting the same care. I do think, I do think England has done a, a better job at, at menopause, um, making women more aware of it. But to the extent that, that it's, it's about optimization, I don't know, but I will tell you there's a massive opportunity in doing so, you know, for all the, the things that we don't do well from a, from a, a country standpoint in healthcare, we do a lot of great things well. Um, when it comes to product choice, therapy choice, and, um, you know, it, it comes down to sometimes means and opportunity, but I, I think we, we do a pretty good job there. And, and hopefully at some point when we get bigger, we can, we can help take it across, you know, border lines. Yeah. Let's hope UK is your first place to do that. Um, but 
I do think that that seems to be. I'd love way. to, man. Yeah, man. There's gonna that's an enormous demand, you know. I really do think so, and I think that the first step with anything is awareness, right? And I think that we're kind of in the awareness stage, and then it's a case of saying, okay, well, where can I go to, you know, resolve my issues? And you know, a lot of the time it comes down to like health optimization, and sometimes we're so. It's not necessarily that it's not enough, but it's like if you can plan maybe like let's say treatment with all these lifestyle optimization variables as well, it's like you can accelerate the process unbelievably well. And I think, yeah, a lot of people are looking towards that now. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I will tell you there's so much that gets overlooked and um, just living a healthier life too. You know, eating better and exercising on a regular basis and getting a, a proper eight hours of sleep a day. I mean, it's such a huge catalyst in, in terms of productivity. If you, if you can eliminate drinking, great. If you, if you, if you can reduce the consumption of alcohol, you know, all those things play into major roles of why my company exists. And, you know, while it bites the hand that feeds me, it's truly what I'm trying to live as an individual. Like I'm trying to live a better life to just be more optimized. But it really has the biggest catalyst for me in seeing that real change has been better lifestyle uh, adjustments and, and eating better and, and managing my stress levels, getting to bed at a proper time and waking up at a proper time. Those are all things that, that you can do without access to what we do here in the States. I couldn't agree more. And that's part of the work that I do with the clients that I work with. A lot of them are on fat loss and weight loss journeys, but quite often, you know, if we want to achieve those things, we need to have the right lifestyle variables in place. And everything in your life is made much easier when you're exercising, you're moving regularly, when you're eating well, when you're sleeping well, when you're managing your stress. So yeah, it's amazing that you're saying that as someone who provides things outside of that as well. And that just just shows the integrity that you have in terms of saying, okay, like this isn't standalone going to fix your problems. You need to go sort out your life in the process as well. And outside of obviously the, the key points that we hit there in terms of nutrition in terms of exercise sleep and stress management are there any other things that you recommend for a man and woman to do to optimize their health and well-being yeah I, I think i think you know understanding supplements is is a great start understanding you know everybody can everybody may not have the same access as us but should should really understand what they're putting in and out of their body from a supplement perspective why it's important you know are you taking it because you're deficient are you taking it because you saw an ad are you feeling change or is it a placebo effect i mean i Mm -hmm. think i think understanding supplements your individual body how it performs with those is is another great start outside of just your your standard lifestyle piece i mean i i will tell you the the thing that has helped improve me so much is sleeping i mean it's i gotta I, I wish I knew how important sleep was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, because now it, it's, it's like, uh, I, I'm excited to go to bed because I, I know my body is going to be in the state of recovering and really being able to focus on, on the next day. Absolutely. And there are things you do to optimize your sleep. Do you avoid, you know, devices late in the day? You keep your room super dark. What type of things are you doing to optimize the quality of your sleep? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I try to limit my coffee, um, past a certain time. I love coffee. I love it for the, 
Yeah, I, I, I love it for the taste as much as I do the, uh, the, the, you know, the benefit from it. But yeah, I, there's, there's a few things that I try to do. I, I, I certainly try to reduce my, my food consumption three hours before bed is kind of where I tr try two hours at the latest. Um, same thing with, with any type of liquid. Like I'm trying to, my wife is completely different. She can sleep through the night and not have to go to the bathroom. I don't like to be waked up in the middle of the night just to go to the bathroom. So I really try to reduce my water intake, you know, two to three hours before. And, and by doing that, you know, it helps me sleep more soundly and, and, and it allows my body to rest and recover and not work to process those things. Um, I'm a huge, huge believer on controlling the temperature of your room. And if, if, if you can even take it a step further, controlling the temperature of your bed, we have a chili pad. So I'm, I'm consistently keeping my room somewhere between called 64 to 67 degrees. Uh, and then I try to keep my chili pad at the same. So my body is consistently recovering. I love eye mask and if you can, it, it's the cheapest and most effective way to, to get blackout. And if you can even go further and you can control your shades and, and, and the light that is permeating through your, your bedroom, that's even, that's, that's a better step, but most people don't have those means. Um, and then certainly last but not least for me, I sleep with earplugs, um, so that I sleep as soundly as possible. Do you do anything to limit your mouth breathing in the night? I've noticed a lot of people almost taping up their mouths in the night. I'm kind of tempted, but it's also one of those things. I'm like, do I want to take that step or not? But I can see the utility of it. Have you done anything around that? I haven't, but I'm going to give it a run here soon. Uh, a guy I actually just met with, who, who a friend, um, his name's Todd Anderson, uh, was just talking about this. And I, I understand it. I, but it is a little, it'll, it's a little unique. Um, but I'll get, I'll, I'll try anything, you know, once or twice and, and, and see if it works for me. But I, I get the mechanics and I, I but yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet personally. Yeah. I'm curious. So when you start your journey, maybe we can start at the same time and keep each other accountable. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sounds great. I, uh, yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've, I've gotten to such a good point and, understanding and value in my sleep that anything to take it to another level, I'll give a shot. Uh, but I'm also feeling really good and dialed in and I'm sure I'm sleeping with my mouth open and, and, and doing all kinds of crazy things that I shouldn't be with my mouth being open. Um, but I'm also sleeping really good. You know, I wake up and I feel really refreshed and energized to conquer the day. Do you use any wearables or any data to track that? Or are you purely going based on feel? So I'm not into the wearables right now. And, and I, I have controversial opinion. Yeah, no, no. So, so check it. I have an aura box right here that has been sitting on my desk for six months to get my ring. And I, I think, I think there's so much merit to it. And I think I should, but I have not because I feel like these are going to tell me something symptomatically that I already know. And it doesn't mean that there's not a ton, there's like a lot of value in it, but, um, I truly think the, the way that has improved my health is, is looking at blood and biomarkers that, that are really, really going inside. Like, there's a lot of things that, that are happening with, with biomarkers from a blood perspective that you, you don't know is good or bad. 
but I know if I get a good night's rest, I got a good night's rest. So, um, and I know those, I know they, they provide more, more than that. Um, but that's just been my strategy and theory thus far. And it's, it seemed to work out really well. I do think, um, I do think the, the wearables are coming so, so far and, um, there's so much, there's so much good from them, but I, I think I'm just taking it a little bit step further with, you know, actual blood pressure readings, um, you know, actual blood mark. I, I'm doing my, my blood testing anywhere from six to 10 times a year. So I'm, I'm, I'm a catalyst for, for more. Yeah. You're dialed in on what's going on. And I think a big part of it is the awareness piece as well. I mean, if you know what a good night of sleep feels like, then you don't necessarily need your aura ring to tell you whether you got a good night or sleep or not, right? And I think that that's, that's a big part of it. And if you are missing that awareness piece, I think that's where it can be really helpful. Even for example, those who have never done like five or 10,000 steps yeah. before for the first time seeing it on their wrist and be like, hey, it's a lot to have to you know, get this or the opposite. They're like, oh, I was smashing this, you know, before 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And I think that, yeah, once you've got that awareness piece in place, it's like, they're still valuable, but at the same time, they're kind of just reaffirming yeah. what you know versus telling you anything. Yeah, I, I find I find that the the things that I can assess the most action items to the the more successful I'm going to be, and and blood biomarkers have been that for me more than anything. Yeah, and it's truly something that is that you can change over time, but it's going to take serious commitment to, you know, like I've had, you know, cortisol issues. I've had C-reactive protein issues, which was my body's inflammation. And I, it took me months to dial that in. And, and it, and I knew what was causing it. Um, and, and once I eliminated those factors, it really changed. And so did my body. So did my mind. Yeah. I can imagine. I think, that's probably one of the best routes to go down. I think most people take a blood test when they feel that something's wrong exactly. rather than just going to see, okay, like where are things at, you know, and like what data can I find from this and not just doing the basic, whatever, 36 elements and just seeing a red and white blood cell count, but really doing an extensive look at it and getting some feedback from someone who doesn't benefit from, you know, telling you to take their supplements or whatever, yep. I think could be very, very valuable for a lot of people. So on that note, Josh, what are you excited about coming up within the side of blokes and joy? What are you working on at the moment? You know, we, we've had so much progress and, and, we, we've, we've worked somewhat slowly in terms of just our, our expansion. And I'm, I'm just excited that we're making so much positive change. And the original intent of us setting out to do this was to really change people's lives and improve them. And I'm excited because we're going to keep doing it on a larger and more grand scale. And, um, put a dent in that sick care system that I was talking about earlier. I love that. And is there any special products that you're working on at the moment? Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to have a, a lot to do with more on the GLP one medication side and combining that with hormone therapy to me, to me, solving weight is, is one part of the equation. Solving hormones is one part of the equation. And usually if, if one's off, the other's off. So we'll be one of the, the only companies in the country that is, is, is truly, trying to solve both problems at the same time, um, which right now in the space, you have kind of one or the other. You have the, the weight loss, you know, fanatic uh, companies 
or you just have the hormones. And I, and I think to be able to bridge the gap and bring that together is going to be pretty special. So we're going to be launching our, our nationwide GLP-1 program that's going to be insurance backed along with financing to really work with patients' needs. Uh, plus the hormone optimization piece, bringing that all together, stuff that we've been doing on a more granular scale and um, bringing it to, you know, the masses. So that's going to be really fun. And we're going to be raising money here soon and never lose the spirit of what we set out on working with strategic partners to help us grow these, these channels and these businesses the right way. I love that. And then the next step after that is to conquer the UK, right? Done, man. I'm, I'm find me some Airbnbs. We'll plan on it in a year. I love that, man. I'll hold you to that. Josh, if people want to keep up with the work that you're doing, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I mean, we have a really fun community happening uh, for the men. At, at It's our, our handle on Instagrams at GetBlokes, trying to provide content beyond just what we do. Lifestyle, mental, uh, functional health, uh, fitness. And then for the ladies, a great place to follow us is, is at Joy Women's Wellness and Joy is J-O-I. And certainly you can, you can, uh, you can find us online at blokes.co and choosejoy.co. Perfect. I'll put some of those links down in the description below for people to get their hands on and get more involved in the work that you're doing. But Josh, it's been a pleasure today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Cheers, brother. Appreciate it. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.